Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. If you want to get more out of being a Bears fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to thebearsbros.com slash join today and sign up for free. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. This is Nicholas Moriano subbing in as the host for Will DeWitt as he is currently enjoying his vacation. But joining me tonight are my fellow Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Will Ingalls. Guys, how are you doing? Brandon, how have you been? I've been good. Um, I'm kind of disappointed. Past YouTube viewers have seen my watch tan before. It's uh, my watch is starting to kind of fall apart on me. So other than that, I'm in real good shape because I need something like cover that up because it's like a moon and people. That's a that's a different shade than the rest of me. So other than the watch, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I've seen that uh, that uh, tan there, lack of tan there. You definitely uh, got to get a new watch or something. But (laughs) Will, uh, you told me that you have finals week coming up uh, the next week. How are you doing this week? Uh, are you feeling nervous, feeling prepared? What, what you, what's your mindset like right now? Uh, well, I'm in the process of editing a music video that we did for a client. So a uh, lot, of, lot of stress, a lot of late nights. Happy I can take a departure and talk uh, some Bears football with some awesome guys. So I'm happy right now, but the second we sign off, it's going to be a different story. <laughs> so Yeah, back on the grind there. Well, good luck with you. Uh, my brother's also, uh, he's actually graduating this weekend from the University of Iowa. So I'll be down there this, this weekend to see him do that. But uh, guys, we have a great show in store for our fans because it's all about answering those fan questions that we got submitted throughout the week. And we really thank you for that. There were a lot of great questions. It was hard to pick which ones we wanted to do. Um, Before we get into that, but I just want to make sure that everyone goes and subscribes to the YouTube channel, gives us a review on Apple Podcasts, and I get all the notifications. So if I go and see that we didn't get any new subscribers by the end of the show. I'm going to be a little bummed out. <laughs> but uh, before we do that, uh, also make sure to go follow Brandon on Twitter. And you can do that at uh, B Hazlett. And that's B-H-A-Z, all caps, the number one, E-T-T. And then Will Ingles, at Will Ingles. And then you can follow me at Nicholas Moriano. Uh, and then one last thing before we get to answer these questions. A lot of people have asked me, Nick, how did you meet Ryan Pace last weekend? Um, well, here, I'll tell you. I'll give you the background to this story. Um, I scheduled a haircut at Funk's Barbershop maybe two, three and a half weeks in advance because I wanted to do a story on the barber, Lawrence, who actually cut Zach Miller's hair while he was in the hospital. So that day, last Saturday, was Cinco de Mayo. I get on the train, and I'm scheduled to get into the train station about 1.30. Uh, the barbershop's about a six minute drive uber drive so plenty of time while i'm on the train it's a 13 minute delay 
So I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. Am I going to be able to make it to the barbershop, be able to get my haircut that I scheduled and, you know, hopefully get a story. So I get to the, the train station, call an Uber. First guy calls me. He's like, I can't find you. Well, I'm right in front of the train station. What do you mean you can't find me? So I have to cancel that, lose five bucks, whatever. Call another Uber driver. And in his bio, I see it says it's hard for him to hear. So I'm thinking, all right, this is just perfect. Get in the, the Uber. And he's trying to do the small talk. I'm like, hey, I got to get to the place fast. He's like, fast? I'm like, fast. So we book it. Get there with a minute left. It's 159. Enter the barbershop. And when you see it, it's a glass window. And the first chair you see in this barbershop is Lawrence's. And I'm looking. I see. I recognize the barber. I follow him on Instagram and stuff. So I, I notice it's him. But I look in the chair. And I'm like, I do a double take just to make sure everything's real. It's just Ryan Pace sitting there. And what's funny, the thing is, I had my appointment scheduled at 2. It's 2.10 now. Ryan Pace is taking my time to get a haircut. So I'm like, uh, you know what? That's completely fine. That's a general manager of the Chicago Bears. You do what you got to do. I told that to the cashier. But after he got his haircut, he goes to pay. I introduced myself. I, you know, I, we obviously met him at the Combine. And he actually remembered Brandon Will and I. So that was really cool. But, and I won't give up too much information on this, you guys. I, people did ask that I. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ask him about being on the podcast. Well, we talked about that. I got some information from Ryan Pace. I'm currently talking with a guy within the Bears organization. Won't say who, but uh, it's in the works. Hopefully we can get him on. But I did talk to him about that. So that's how I met Ryan Pace. That was single to Mayo. So it was just a random Saturday that kind of just happened. I just have we kind of have an act for just running into people. But yeah, that's that's how it happened. Um, so now you guys know the story. And hopefully later down the road, we can get Ryan Pace on a podcast. That would be amazing. But guys, uh, you ready to answer these fan questions? Let's dive on in. Let's do it. All right. Let's do first it. one. First one comes. I hope I pronounce these right. And you know, Will has always said that he's not good at pronouncing names. Same here. These are Twitter names, so this is even worse. Twitter handles. So at Wally underscore, I guess. So the question is, what is the worst record this team could have without being a disappointment? And Brandon, I'm going to hand it over to you. The worst record this team could have without being a disappointment. I think five and eleven. I know that seems kind of low, um, but but Vegas has the Bears pegged at six and a half wins. And being fans, you know, I think we shall naturally take the over. I know I am, uh, but anything under five is a disappointment because that tells me that something didn't click somewhere. I really think that the team can go three and one against the AFC East, uh, losing only to the Patriots. Uh, but there's there's a lot of new pieces to this team, especially on offense, and I think it's really going to take some time for them to kind of gel. And, I mean, we've seen this defense really carry the team before, uh, but they can't do it throughout the entirety of the game. And that's why the Bears under John Fox were within so many games of a touchdown uh, just because they really didn't have an offense to help carry the defense uh, through the rest of the game because the defense was just worn out by the end. Uh, so if they go less than five wins, then that really tells me that something really didn't click offensively, whether that's with the coaching staff or the players not getting it as detailed as Matt Nagy is. Something really didn't click on offense if they go anything less than 5-11. and 11. 
Gotcha. That's interesting. Will, do you have a different opinion? Do you think five wins uh, is, you know, the the floor there? What, what's your take? No, my, mine is six. Mine is six for me because that distances us from the John Fox era because that's the height of the John Fox era is five and 11. There is a whole reason why we have a complete like redux of the coaching staff, the complete overhaul of the team and roster is because that wasn't good enough. And if they go 5-11 and 11 this year, I understand it's a very valid argument that they have to learn everything. But this is, head and shoulders, a more talented roster than John Fox had in 2015. And they went 5-11 and 11 in 2015. So I believe it, I believe it was 5-11 in 2015. I know they won five games, at least in 2015. Yeah. But I, that's my thing, is that this is a separation from that era. And it needs to be better than that. I understand 6-10 and 10 because I think, like Brandon mentioned, this is going to be a team that is in a lot of one-possession games. And one-possession games, at the end of the day, can be 50-50. It is a Connor Barth missed field goal away. It is a bad P.I. call. It is Kyle Fuller lining up offsides on a Saints field goal attempt early in the game that comes back to bite you later. That comes down to one snap game. So I understand if all of those go against the Bears, which recently they have been. In 2016, the Bears are 1-6. and six. In one possession games in 2017, they're two and six. I mean, this is it's something that has you know bitten the Bears in the past. But if they, if those balls keep bouncing the wrong way, I understand six and ten. They're competitive. They're a new team, and they are at least taking some small strides forward from the John Fox era. Gotcha. So I actually have a I guess more expectations for this Bears team going into 2018. I think that the worst that they can do without being a disappointment for me. I think eight and eight. I think the additions that they've made and just seeing the success from other teams. You you look at teams like uh, even the Eagles and Rams. Doug Pearson had Carson Wentz going into year two. He played an MVP level, uh, obviously, with, with Wentz before he went down. Um, not saying that Trubisky can do that, but you see what he can do with a second-year quarterback. Um, then you have Sean McVay, first year uh, as a head coach. That's what Matt Nagy is going to be. And you see what Jared Goff does in year two you know, makes those strides and it's a playoff team. So I'm looking at this team eight and eight and, you know, anything less than that for me is a disappointment just because of the additions they made. And when you think about it, 14 wins, 33 losses in the past three years, this organization really needs to start winning. Now I know pace signed the extension. Obviously Nagy's here. He's going to be here obviously more than just 2018, but this team really does need to start winning. And I don't think, um, you can make those excuses anymore for the Bears. Like Neg- Neggy's in his first year. Uh, Trubisky's still learning the offense. All that's been done before by other teams, and I know every team is different. They all have their unique situations, but it's been done. So that's why I expect this Bears team, uh, and I was. we'll get into a couple questions about the schedule. Um, I just see them being able to at least get eight wins. I was looking at the schedule being optimistic, and usually I'm not very optimistic about these things because the Bears have always disappointed. But this season, with the additions they made, I think is going to be a lot better. So eight and eight for me is the floor for this team. I mean, that I mean that would be a pretty good floor, honestly, better than anything the John Fox era. Um, you guys have anything to add to that? Or you want to move on to the next question? I have you know a question what? for both you guys real Go quick. Uh, I joined uh, the Rams Talk podcast last night, uh, and they were a little more optimistic about the Bears than I was because of this discussion we just had. I think there is going to be a little bit of a learning curve that's going to hinder them early. Uh, and as they continued on after I left, uh, I heard them talking about, you know, the Rams coming up to Chicago and the Rams potentially losing that game is a trap. Do you guys have either of your uh, wins in the floor against the Rams, or do you think that's – I just find that curious since I was, I was on that last night. Uh, gosh, when do they come up again? 
I'm blanking December on. 9th, it's like December. I, that's 14. that's the it's thing. Week 14. If yeah. it's a bad right. weather game, I could see that being a trap for sure. That could be one where Jared Goff is having a hard time slinging the ball. Uh, you know, it becomes like one of those 20 to 14 type of games. That's when I could see the Bears pulling out. But if it comes to talent wise, <laughs> not <All> like. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm right with you, Will. Because, but it uh, only comes in as a trap. You know, that's exactly what Brandon says. So, you know, if the Bears are. You know, week 14, they're rolling somewhere near like a seven and seven or six and seven, counting in the bye or seven and six. I don't think that happens the same way. They're much more ready. So I only see that as a quote unquote trap game. Yeah, I've played through a couple scenarios where the Bears are winning certain games, losing other games. But each time they came to the Rams, despite what whatever may happen, I just had him losing that game. I think the Rams are, I, I picked them early to maybe represent the, N- the NFC in the Super Bowl. That's how good I think this team can be. And there's no signs of them really taking a drop off to what they did last season. But yeah, the Rams are going to be really good. Um, again, we don't know who's going to be playing at that time. Who's going to be more right. injured. So, and it's week 14 or, you know, already looking down the line there, but guys, let's, let's move on to the second question. It does have to pertain to the schedule. Um, at C C Tucker underscore Tucker, he asks, what is your record prediction? If we win the first game against the Packers versus if we do not win, if we do not win, it will obviously be a huge confidence boost that could carry this team for a while. So I'll start off with this. Um, I think when I was looking at the schedule and like I said, I was going through different scenarios, um, regardless if the bears win or lose to the Packers week one. I actually see them winning their next three games and finishing around, like I said, that eight and eight, maybe at best, I think nine and seven. And that's, that's, I think, you know, a lot of things got to go right. They got to stay healthy, but you look at those first, first four games, week one at green Bay. So let's say they lose that one. You have week two versus Seattle on Monday night. That Seattle team is nowhere near the team that was dominant the past couple of years. That defense is no longer the same. Legion of boom is essentially gone. Uh, week three at Arizona. I think, you know, if it's Mike Glennon playing or if it's uh, Sam Bradford, who knows? Even maybe Rosen. We don't know yet. So I think they can win that one as well. And then Tampa Bay. It's th- I think this would be the fourth straight year if Tampa Bay were to beat the Bears. Like, there would be four wins in a row against the Bears. I don't think and that They won in again. 2015. Bears Did won they? 2015, okay. 26 to 21. Okay. Because that oh. was, uh, gosh, who was Kadeem Carey. That was the Kadeem Carey game. I okay. want to say he scored twice yes. or something. Way back. So, I mean, I, and I, I honestly don't think the Bucs, uh, yes, they had a drop off last year, but regardless if the Bears lose or win against Green Bay week one, I think they finish those, they finish off that first quarter of the season, going back to the Lovey Smith days at quarter one with three wins, which would be amazing for the Bears. Um, and then I was seeing through the rest of the scenarios, it's that quarter three and quarter four of the season where the bears will accumulate more of those losses. You, you play teams again, like the Vikings, uh, the Rams 49ers are up and coming. Then you play the Vikings again, last game of the season. But I really think eight and eight, uh, like I said, best nine and seven. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what happens against those Packers. If they win, obviously there's going to be confidence moving forward, but will, what do you think? You know what? I, I have a very similar type of view on this. It is the difference between eight and eight and nine and seven for me in the grand scheme of things, record wise. The difference with this Green Bay win is going to be playoff implications for sure, because that is division win. That is, of course, a win against your rival who you expect to be in the top of that division conversation along with the Vikings. And especially if you finish with an eight and eight, nine and seven record, you're talking about tiebreakers and all those things. My little anecdote when it comes to, you know, an opening day win 
my freshman year when I came to Augustana, it was, we got a new. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Head coach, very interesting, an offensive mind as well. Uh, we had a primetime game underneath the lights. We were favored. We were expected to lose the game. It was a, you know, it was a powerhouse from, uh, I can't remember where it was. I can't remember where they're from, but we were expected to lose. It was a high scoring game. We get an interception as in the two minute drill, we're able to take a knee and run out the clock. We went 42 to 39 or something along those lines. Huge win. We finished the year four and six, you know, confidence and momentum is a strange thing. And I think we saw that exact same thing happen in the NFC championship this year. Everyone's thinking the Vikings win against the New Orleans saints on a crazy last second play. You know, it's, they, they're going to ride that momentum right through a uh, second string quarterback and Nick Foles. It's like momentum's a funny thing because they had that one interception and all of a sudden that, that balloon went real quick. So I don't exactly buy the momentum argument, but I, as, as far as a win against a division opponent early on in the year, that really affects playoff chances, even if it only moves the win column one tick in the other direction. What about you, Brandon? It's an interesting take. Well, I've never, like I was thinking the opposite thing. Like, yeah, that's a huge confidence boost. And, you know, I thought would get them to the seven or eight wins that I would, I don't want to say I expect them to get to, uh, but that puts them on the over from what Vegas has. Uh, so that, that was an interesting take. I never uh, thought about it that way. Um, so I, I think it goes a long way, but it's, um, like you said, it's just a one tick in the, in the win column that gets them to that seven, eight wins uh, that they should get to uh, if they win that first game. If they don't, I mean, the Bears in the first quarter under the John Fox era, and I understand this is a new era, but under the John Fox era, they really struggled in the first quarter of seasons, like really, really struggled. And a lot of these same guys were on the, were obviously on those teams, especially defense. Defense stayed uh, pretty much the same uh, from last year to this year. Uh, so they kind of know, like, we, we need to break this habit somehow. And I think a win over Green Bay is definitely going to be the, the confidence step to do it. And I think getting just the win mentality uh, in these the first quarter is going to be, it's going to play dividends down the road, maybe not necessarily right away. Yeah, so we, we talked about the schedule. So – Here's another question, and this is from at the Jan Man 64. I like that name, at the Jan Man 64 asks, so do you think this team can make it to the playoffs? Brandon, I'm going to go right back to you. We just talked about the schedule. We know where Vegas has them. What do you ultimately think? Do the Bears somehow make the playoffs this year? Uh, I doubt it, and I hope that they prove me wrong, obviously. Uh, but I, like I said earlier, I mean, this offense really needs to click because it's a rookie head coach who hasn't had any head coaching experience uh, at any level. He's he's proven himself to be in the NFL, obviously, so he's good enough to do it uh, with a newly assembled staff that is unfamiliar with each other, although by now I really hope they're more familiar with each other. Uh, and then additionally, it's almost like he's got an, another rookie quarterback. Uh, he's going to have to relearn a whole offense again. He's going to have to re-click with some uh, wide receivers. There was some overhaul there, brought in new guys, brought in Trey Burton at tight end as well. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of chemistry things that are going to have to be worked out, uh, especially early on. Uh, and we're going to see some kinks and bumps in the roads. Uh, and I think that's really what uh, inhibits them from making the playoffs this year. Uh, but don't rule it out for the following year, though. Well, what about you? Do the Bears make the playoffs? Uh, I've got it at a 30% chance right now. I, I, at the end of the day, with what I see their record peaking out at, I think, Nick, you and I kind of had them at 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, and seven as far as a good scenario is concerned. 
Uh, you know, 10 and six for me is the absolute ceiling for them. But even at 10 and six, this is a very stacked NFC conference. You know, the, it's going to come down to a lot of tiebreakers, you know, whether that's division, whether that's conference wins. I mean, it is just a matter, like you say, you think they could go three and one against the AFC East, right? I mean, okay, three wins of their, you know, eight or nine against AFC opponents, you know, it's not going to help them when it comes to those tiebreakers to get into the playoffs if it's a wild card spot. So that's where things get a little bit dicey for me, even if they're on the high end of their win total. So I've got a 30% chance. Don't rule it out. I think there will be meaningful games played in November, December. Um, But do I think they make the playoffs? Not likely, but certainly a possibility. Hey, it'd be nice to have meaningful games in November and December exactly. where there's a big portion of the season still to be played. So uh, for me to answer this question, uh, yes, no, I don't know. Honestly, uh, the NFC is stacked, you guys. And, Will, you're attributing to that. Vikings, Packers, Falcons, Panthers will be back. Saints will be there in the mix. Eagles, Rams, the Cowboys I expect to be back. 49ers are an up-and-coming team. We, we talked, obviously, the Bears. The Lions are the Lions. You never know what they're going to do. Probably not much. but And then the Giants will Joke. be better. Yeah, exactly. But here, I will give you some some statistics, though, about the playoffs and how they played out. This comes from Pro Football Talk. So the NFL playoffs have frequently had a year-to-year turnover ratio of about 50%. Last season, that was 66%. The AFC, half the teams in the AFC uh, made it in 2017, didn't make it in 2016. So that was the Jaguars, Titans, and Bills. And then the NFC, even more teams. The Eagles, Vikings, Rams, Saints, and Panthers that made it this uh, in 2017 didn't make it in 2016. And then once uh, once you get to the playoffs, there's no guarantee you'll make it back. In 2016, the top two seeds in the NFC uh, didn't make the playoffs in 2017. And that was the Cowboys and Falcons. The AFC was a little different. Patriots and Chiefs were the top seeds. They both made it. But that just shows me there's a lot of fluctuation, especially in the NFC. So... It's not to say that the Bears can't make it because it it happens. There's teams that make it to the playoffs, then they don't make it back the next season. Um, a lot of things have to go right. The Bears need to stay uh, healthy. They obviously need to win these um, games against the NFC opponents. But, you know, history has shown that teams that haven't made it can definitely get into the mix. I'm going to say no, though, for right now, just because it is, again, the first year of Matt Nagy. I think they'll be a lot better and surprise a lot of people and be that team Maybe not in 2018, but in 2019 coming in, they're going to be a team that you're probably not going to want to face. But yeah, right now I'm going to say no to that question. But moving on, uh, we have our fourth question of the night, and it's from at Colin Babington. I think I said that right again. I apologize for not you know pronouncing these uh, Twitter handles right. But the question is, what are your projected offensive and defensive players of the year for the Bears? Will, you can start this one off. All right. Do we want to just do we want me to name both of them off or just go offense first? Let's name them both and then give your explanation for why. All right. So I've got Mitchell Trubisky uh, as the offensive player of the year and then Eddie Jackson as a defensive player of the year. Um, I think Allen Robinson might be the popular pick for offensive player of the year, but I think this is going to be an an offense that really spreads the ball around. And the the benefactor of that, if anybody, is going to be Mitchell Trubisky. I think he's going to be a guy. I mean, we saw with Alex Smith and KC that they even like to get him running the ball a little bit. And it's going to be, you know, if anything, uh, Trubisky being a point guard of sorts. And and that ball is going to go to everybody. And maybe Allen Robinson gets the lion's share of that. But I think Trubisky is going to have, you know, the big numbers that we haven't seen from a Bears quarterback in God knows how long, really. 
So I think at the end of the day, Trubisky is going to take home the offensive honors. Eddie Jackson's the guy that I really expect to take the biggest leap on this Bears defense this year. You watch the tape, Eddie Jackson is a step behind making a bunch of big plays, you know, between interceptions, pass breakups, forced fumbles. I mean, he is just a step late in a lot of plays last year. I think he's a type of guy who's going to break down that film. I think Fangio is going to get in his ear and, and really going to help him take that final step to really be the best safety at the Bears have had since Mike Brown. And I expect that kind of season from him this year. He's going to be that takeaway machine. He's really going to get that secondary fired up to a la Ryan Pace. And uh, he's going to take home Defensive Player of the Year honors for Chicago. I like it. I like it. Brandon, what about you? Do you have any different players at offense and defense MVP this year? I do have two different uh, MVBs, as nice. I like to call them here. Yeah, see, I had to plug it in somewhere. Uh, my offensive MVP is going to be Jordan Howard. I mean, he's had two straight 1,000-yard seasons. He's got a pretty solid offensive line in front of him still uh, with some new young blood and James Daniels up there uh, at guard, uh, presumably that he's going to be up there anyway. But it's still going to be a very solid offensive line for him to run behind, and he's going to be the rock uh, that really helps this offense roll. Uh, if Trubisky is going to struggle to grow his completion percentage to over 60%, I mean, he's going to be able to carry the load reliably, and we know that he's going to be able to do it. I still like Jordan Howard uh, to to get 1,000 yards. I think he can do it for a third straight year, to be 100% honest, especially in this offense. As much as the ball's going to get spread around, I think Jordan Howard still gets his still gets his touches. And even with the ball getting spread around more, it's just going to open up more running lanes for him uh, to get some bigger yards. Uh, on defense, I'm going to take my guy, Adrian Amos, uh, PFF had him ranked as an all pro last season and bleacher report had him uh, voted as the best safety in the league. Believe it or not. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, cause that's my guy, you know? Um, <laughs> but I think he's going to take that, that next, that next big step to be able to continue to grow. He sounded really, really confident when he was on uh, good morning football. Uh, I think that's on NFL network. I, I watch all the highlights for it when the bears guys are on there and I can't remember the name of the show or what network. <laughs> He was on there. He was talking. He just sounded really confident, really uh, looking forward. Uh, they had him uh, They showed highlights of some of his biggest hits he's had throughout his career, and he had to pick songs for what he'd have in the background. And I mean, he just he wants to continue to do that kind of thing and uh, play downhill like he does, uh, be aggressive. And I think he's going to continue to do that, and he's going to grow. Gotcha. So we have Mitch Trubisky in offense, Jordan Howard, and then we have the two safeties. All right, I like it. So, Will, I also have Mitch Trubisky as my MVB for this season, uh, just with the new weapons around him, uh, new offensive system, year two, that familiarity. I think he's just going to have a monster breakout season. And, and everyone is really expecting him to take his game to the next level. I think if this team is going to be to going to have any type of success, Trubisky's got to be the one to do it. Um, but now he, he is now the leader. He's the guy, and success will come if Trubisky has a good season. Um, on defense, I went with Leonard Floyd. I think this is a guy who still has to prove himself. Uh, he's missed 10 games in two seasons, six last season, four in 2016. But he still had the second most sacks on the Bears with four and a half, despite missing six games in 2017, and he had seven sacks in 2016. So the Bears are going to be better up front. They have more depth on the line, and that will help Floyd to get to the quarterback. But I think, like I said, he still needs to prove himself. He's got to show why Ryan Pace moved up two spots from 11 and 9 in the 2016 draft to go get him. And I think Floyd, if he can stay healthy, I think he has the technique, the speed, the ability to just get around tackles and cause havoc in the backfield. So I'm really expecting him to have a big season. And like I said, the guys up front are really going to occupy, you know, his offensive linemen. And I think this Bears defense in general is just so much better that you really can't 
really double team one guy. So Leonard Floyd coming off that edge for me, I think I'm expecting him to have a big season. I know he wants to go out there and prove himself. He's going to be right next to his former Georgia Bulldog teammate, Roquan Smith. I think Leonard Floyd is going to have a breakout season. You know, I'm really surprised. And, you know, we all have great picks for the defensive guys. Surprised no one said Akeem Hicks. And I, Brandon, I swear, when you win, I'm like, trenches. It's got to be Akeem Hicks. But, hey, I mean, you know, still it, a great pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about Akeem Hicks. He's, I think he's definitely uh, deserving of it. Uh, but he needs to be able to show that he can continue the pass rush throughout the entirety of the season rather than just the first half. Yeah, and I think with more with defensive more playmakers, he's yeah. going to be healthy for the longevity of the season, which will be good for, obviously, the Bears defense and all Bears fans. All right, let's get on to our fifth question now, and this one comes from Reed Weber 320 Looking back, would you rather draft Roquan Smith or Quinn Nelson if he had dropped to us? And I'll just start this off. Um, Obviously, after seeing how the draft played out and seeing who the Bears were able to get in the second round, I'm still going to stick with Roquan. Um, I guess what I, I don't know how I didn't put this together uh, pre-draft that I just didn't see. I underplayed the role really of not having a true leader on the defense. And when Roquan Smith was drafted, that's what first went into my mind. Kind of the bears got their future leader of this, of this defense, a linebacker an inside linebacker. And that's exactly who that leader needs to be. And just for some reason, as I was kind of looking at each prospect and obviously I had my guys that I liked, I never really put uh, a leader as something that the bears actually needed on that defense to take it to the next level. But it just made so much sense when they drafted Roquan Smith. And even if Quinn Nelson had dropped and Ryan Pace, he alluded to this, I think it was on the Hogan Johns podcast. He would have had a tough decision to make between Smith and, and Nelson, but you see the bears get James Daniels in, in that second round of, Honestly, I think a first-round talent that just fell to the second round. So I like Roquan. I think the Bears made the right choice in drafting him, even if Quinn Nelson had dropped to uh, you know the Bears. Um, but Will, what's your take? Do you do you like Roquan? Would you have taken Quinn Nelson? You know, I'm going to share your view here, and uh, it definitely took me a little bit looking at the draft. You know, you know, post Saturday to really view everything and then seeing what Daniels does opposed to Quentin Nelson. Now, am I saying that Daniels is a better player than Nelson? No, I think Nelson's one of the best guard prospects I've seen in my entire life. But I think what Daniels does well is what Nelson lacks. And that's that real good ability to get out in space. And that just seems to be the direction that Nagy likes to go in with his offense. And that's not to say Nelson wouldn't have succeeded in Chicago. I think he would have been a great pick. But I think with what they got in the second round, which I think was a, an, an A player you know, in the second round, that, that fits the scheme probably better than Nelson would have. You know, Even if Nelson would have succeeded because he is just that raw of a prospect and that great of a player, I think Daniels fits their needs more. I think he fits the scheme more. And then you already kind of said it all with uh, Roquan Smith, that he is a guy that I don't think a lot of Bears fans understood that we needed, but that we did desperately need, not only from the intangibles level, but from just the future of what linebacking will probably be in the NFL. And that's going to be covering a lot of space in a very small amount of time. And I think that's what Smith does best. Yeah. Brandon, what's your take on this? Quinn Nelson trenches guy or Roquan Smith, uh, future leader of the bears defense. I know I kind of skewed that in one way over the other, but yeah, what's your take on that? <laughs> uh, first of all, I thought Will absolutely nailed that. Uh, took a lot of things I want to say and he, he threw it out there, which is great. Um, and as much as I loved Quentin Nelson, I really, really did. I, I wanted him, obviously, Trench's guy. Uh, 
but with so many additions to the offense that they did in free agency, I think going defense first round was was the right move. Getting Roquan Smith, double the right move. Uh, they say, you know, two lefts don't make a right, but Ryan Pace made two rights, so that's two thumbs up in my my book there. Um, so I, I think Will really just, just nailed it. Uh, I mean, James Daniels probably fits the scheme better than Quentin Nelson does. Yeah, and I know that um, pre-draft, Brandon, you and I, we both, uh, if I had to choose a linebacker, Roquan or Tremaine Edmonds at the time, you know, I was an Edmonds guy just because of, you know, we didn't know what, yeah, we didn't know what he, he could be, like, could he be that edge rusher? But, you know, just after the pick was made for Roquan Smith, just sunk in. And I think, I, I don't know. I haven't met a bears fan yet that has not liked the pick. And, you know, he wasn't even one of my top, he wasn't even my top. He was my fifth guy, I think. But now that he's there, man, I'm so glad that we got him. So consensus is Roquan Smith, you guys. Two thumbs up. up. (laughs) Uh, We'll get on to our sixth question now. And this comes from at Lord underscore Johnny 23. What's going on, Johnny? Um, Where does last year's fifth round Jordan Morgan fit on the O-line now? Um, Brandon, we're going to go right back to you. You know, this is a a very good question because we haven't seen – much uh jordan morgan at all uh i mean there's there's been some discussions about him moving to guard because when he came in he was he was big and he was a tackle so they're like he's probably going to be able to be able to move to guard and that discussion's kind of heated up a little more here in this this offseason uh before they drafted james daniels uh and I, I think he could still be a guard uh play either backup to either kyle long or or james daniels uh depending where eric kush ends up left or right guard uh, but he, like I said, he's also played tackles. So it, it really depends how he's grown and developed athletically as to far where he lands. I think he does make the roster uh, as a backup. It just really depends where he's been at his progression as far as gaining athleticism to be a better tackle as he lost some weight. Uh, but even then, I think he could still play guard just fine if he hasn't lost the weight. Yeah. Uh, Will, what's your take on where Jordan Morgan fits within this offensive line group now? I'm not quite as confident that Morgan makes this roster. I mean, he, when you redshirt a guy, there's no guarantee what he's going to be in year two. And, and like Brandon said, it has kind of been a where's Waldo kind of thing with uh, with Morgan. It's like, well, I don't know where he is. Has anyone heard from him? Is he still kicking? You know, is he in the witness protection program maybe? So, I mean, it, I of course the hope is that when you draft a prospect as raw as Morgan that he develops and he takes a lot of things out of year one. But right now he's the odd man looking out for me. I mean, I think the Bears take eight eight linemen into the season, if I had to guess. And I think Leno, Long, Massey, Whitehair, Daniels, Cush, and Saul are seven that are going to be there. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident locking those in. Maybe Saul, you got to have a swing tackle somewhere. And I think Saul played well when asked. I don't think he's who you want to start, but you know, as a swing tackle, I think he fulfills that role. Well, that leaves you with Watford, Grisou, Morgan, and and Cameron Lee as you know odd men out. So if you ask me, I mean, th- there's a chance they carry nine. That's certainly possible. And, and then that makes that competition a little less, you know, intense. And there's no telling, you know, which undrafted free agents they could also bring in that also compete with them. But, you know, right now, if they carry eight linemen, you know, I, Morgan's seat's pretty hot because he, I mean, I think Rasu's kind of a stock going low kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when the roster spots on the line, you never know how play's going to ignite and, and you know, change. So right now so he's... Think- what you do think Gersu's got a chance to to make the team even with Cody White here and James Daniels both being able to play center? Yeah, I think it's a I like I said, I think they're both kind of on that eighth man spot. I think it's possible. Do I think it's right. likely? Eh, I, I mean you got a point. Morgan there. on my eighth spot. I agree that they're gonna carry it. I just have Morgan as my eighth. 
Yeah, and I think, and is Morgan the inside looking in? Yes, but when you're on the eighth spot, that's not exactly a comfortable position, and that's right. just where I have him right now. For sure. All right. I like this offensive line talk. Not really. I had to actually go watch film <laughs> on Jordan Morgan to see if he actually played, and he did most of his playing. Um, it was in the fourth preseason game against the Browns. Yes, that's what I was doing with my day-to-day. It was a slow day at work, so I was watching a Browns-Bears preseason game, and uh, according to two, uh, 247 Sports, he actually played 50 snaps in the preseason. 29 came in that preseason game, so that's the only one I really wanted to watch. But, um, yeah, and, Will, you mentioned they also brought uh, Earl Watford from Arizona, so he's a guy that I do have right now in front of Jordan Morgan. So at And where they had Jordan Morgan playing was at that right guard position, primarily in that uh, fourth preseason game against the Browns. So if you're looking at the depth chart right now, it'd go Kyle Long, probably Watford, then Morgan. So, and if there's thinking maybe eight, maybe nine, it's going to be tough because now you obviously had in James Daniels, Eric Cush is obviously going to be there. You have your two tackles. Um, it, it's a, there's a large number of offensive linemen. We just don't know about Morgan. Obviously you don't want to see a guy that was drafted, be let go just a season after. Um, but it, it's definitely a possibility. So with that being said, um, I just don't know where he actually really fits on there. I have him as third string, regardless if he plays left guard or right guard. So Jordan Morgan, the odd man looking out, he has to really show in camp, and especially with this scheme, this offense, where these guards are going to be asked to go to the second level. Let's see who can be the best in space. That's really, I think, what's going to determine if a Morgan or a Watford, one of these guys really outplays one or the other who can show that they can block at that second level who can pull better it's a lot of versatility that these offensive linemen need to have now and it's just going to come down to that so we'll end up seeing what happens but that was a really good question because you know the offensive linemen obviously is not a group that's really talked about as much but they're arguably probably the most important part group on the offensive system other than quarterback so yeah jordan morgan we'll see what ends up happening with him so we are on our seventh question, and this comes from at Diesel DC3. How many wide receivers are on the 53 and who misses the cut? Bellamy, Fowler, Williams, Gentry. So I'll start this one off. I'm just going to go back, backtrack a little bit and tell you how many Bears receivers made the 53-man roster in years past. Uh, in 2015, I'll name the receivers just to show, to show you the change of what's transpired here in Chicago. In 2015, the Bears kept six receivers. Joshua Bellamy, Alshon Jeffrey, Mark Mariani, Cameron Meredith, Eddie Royal, Marquise Wilson. My God, that was... Mark Mariani. Yeah, that was 2015. (laughs) You know, thank goodness we're away from that. 2016, the Bears also kept six receivers on the 53. Bellamy again, Jeffrey, Cameron Meredith, Eddie Royal, Deontay Thompson, Kevin White. Doesn't really get much better. 2017, they go down to five receivers with all the injuries. Joshua Bellamy makes a 53. Thompson, Marcus Whedon, Kevin White, Kendall Wright. We all know how that went. So in 2018, I'm projecting the Bears to go back up to that six receiver mark. And I'm projecting Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, Kevin White, Benny Fowler. And then the sixth one right now, I'm going to give to Joshua Bellamy just because he's been here longer. But... Devon Wims is the guy who I think they're going to keep on their practice squad, or maybe he is that sixth guy. So I'm thinking the Bears keep six on the 53-man roster, but it's either going to be between, for me, Wims or Bellamy, you know, fighting for that, that sixth spot. I mean, Bellamy 
look, I'll give it to him. He's gotten better with getting open. It's just, can he catch the ball when he's open? That's always been the question with Bellamy. Get him straight in the hands, and we all know how that goes. But here's the thing, though. Everyone is starting fresh. It's a whole new offense. Whoever makes the most plays in camp, who, you know, goes up to get that ball, anything like that, that's really going to determine who that sixth man is on this wide receiver core. Um, Will, I'm going to throw it over to you. Who do you think makes the the 53-man roster? How many receivers make it? Go ahead. I'm right with you with six receivers at this point, and I think especially with all the formations that Nagy uses, I think six is a very very safe number in regards to keeping receivers. Um, I have it the same as you right now. Um, uh, Yeah, with Robinson, Gabriel, Miller, White, Bellamy, Fowler. I mean, I, I haven't seen enough from Wims yet, and, and it's going to be very much a training camp preseason type battle because I think from those bottom two receivers, you're going to need special teams contributions out of them because you know you aren't getting anything out of White in regards to special teams. The dude can't stay on the field when he's just on offense. <laughs> God forbid we put him on kickoff or KOR. That oh Boy, we might have to bring him off in an ambulance at that rate. <laughs> but, you know, it, it depends on what Wims, if you ask me, can do on special teams. I think we've seen out of Gentry that we're not going to get a whole lot of him out of, out of him on special teams, which I think really hamstrings his chance on making this roster. I mean, I know he was a fun story coming out of Wyoming last year, and I know it was fun to root for him, especially having a great camp. We went through it with Daniel Braverman. We went through it with Tanner Gentry. They're fun stories. They are fun players to root for. Underdog story will never go away, and it never should. But that doesn't mean he needs to make the 53-man roster. <laughs> Um, so yes, Wims is definitely the guy who's going to be fighting for that six spot. You know, if I'm Josh Bellamy, you know, I'm not feeling comfortable. If I'm Fowler, I'm not feeling comfortable either. So, you know, I, and like I said, I think special teams will be the defining moment with this because ideally none of those three guys are going to be catching balls for you on Sundays. So it's special teams for me. That's going to make the difference. And right now I've got to give it to guys who have established themselves and that's Fowler and Bellamy Wims. We'll see what happens. All right, Brandon, what's your take on this? How many receivers make it, and who are they? I have five, actually. Uh, and my reason is because I think Daniel Brown uh, makes the team as the fourth tight end who's also played wide receiver before. Uh, so that, that's why I only have five. Uh, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Kevin White, Anthony Miller, and I have Benny Fowler. Uh, Nick, I think your argument for Josh Bellamy is kind of weak just because he's been here the longest. I said last year that uh, Josh Bellamy was going to make it just because that was the John Fox thing to do. They kept him because I think it was the John Fox thing to do. <laughs> I think now with the with a new coach, I think Josh Bellamy sees his way out. Uh, that opens the door for Brandy Fowler on a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, like you said, uh, Will, Javon Wims just doesn't have the the, the special team's ability uh, to be able to make the roster and is as great as an underdog story. Again, like Will said, as Tanner Gentry was. I Again, I think it was just overhyped. Uh, last year when he came in and played, he did, he didn't do much against the Tampa Buccaneers, and I think that he kind of lost his chance there. He's he's really fighting this year. Yeah, and speaking of underdog stories, uh, my guy from Iowa, Matt Vandenberg, uh, is going to get a try with the Bears. Maybe he no, I mean he's a great guy, but again, those guys <laughs> are not uh ones that really make that fifty three. It's great stories, like you said. But hey, I'm with you, Brandon. With if Bellamy doesn't make the roster, I'm not going to say I didn't hate it because you know me <laughs> and with the Bellamy over the years. Uh, he's, yeah, he just drives me insane, but I don't know. I think just with consistency and you just need, uh, I think in this scheme, you just need a lot of wide receivers. Cause there's going to be a lot of guys in a lot of different positions making plays, but we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. I think but to further, to further back up Brandon's point on five receivers being on the roster. I mean, there are a lot of kind of, you know, tweeners as far, especially at the running back position, if you ask me, I mean, and, and it's also with uh, Burton as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a right. lot of guys who kind of function as both players there. So if you're looking for that, you know, 
five receiver ish kind of deal. You technically have more than that on your roster because Benny Cunningham and Tariq Cohen are, if you ask me more wide receiver than running back, maybe Ben, maybe Cunningham a little bit more, you know, in between than Cohen being more of a receiver gadget guy, you know, if, uh, Mazel, take while Mazel is still out there and he's much more of a gadget receiver. You know, I don't think he makes the roster, right. but I mean, he's just another one of those types of players that is on the current Bears roster going into camp. And like I said, Burton's another one of those guys. Shaheen's not your typical tight end either, you know, and Sims is probably your inline guy. But I mean, there are a bunch of guys who are capable of lining up outside. So there is a possibility that five five receivers are on this roster, which, yes, likely means a, a long-awaited goodbye to Joshua Bellamy, but uh, you know, that still <laughs> remains to be seen. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm glad I don't have to make these, these decisions <laughs> because there's a lot of guys on there, and obviously you got to keep it to 53. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting when it all comes down to it because, like you said, Will, there's a lot of guys that can function and you know play kind of those two positions, those tweeners, like you said, but it'll be interesting for sure. All right, our eighth question comes from Devin Deal. What do you think of training for either Shane Ray or Shaq Lawson? Seems like both are miscast in their current situations and could add needed depth to our outside linebacker core. Um, Will, I'm going to go back to you with this one. What do you think about that? Shane Ray, Shaq Lawson, are those guys that interest you at all? I mean, is a trade even possible? What, what are your takes on that? They're better than what we have right now in some spots. But it's the compensation thing that scares me. You're already down a second-round pick next year. Like we said, this roster isn't where we think it will be by the time the Bears compete for a championship, which we hope will be. You know, 2019 is when you're a legitimate playoff contender looking towards a Lombardi trophy in the very near future. Both, I think all three of us would agree that this roster isn't at that point right now. So spending your draft capital on guys who might move the needle, like I don't think, you know, either either Lawson or Ray are going to move the needle to a point where – you know, this is the guy that we've been missing. This is the guy that takes the outside linebacking core from, you know, where it is now to where I need it to be to win a championship. I don't think that's the case. So for me, I, I it wouldn't be a bad move to pick one of them up, but I'm not giving up anything more in a fifth round pick because, the, you know, those day three guys at the end of the day, you know, kind of have, you know, 20 to 30 percent chance of being a prospect that stays on your roster, you know, even going into training camp for that year. That's what I'm willing to do because it's a guy that you know will be on your roster at the end of the day for all intents and purposes, and they're an improvement to what you have now depth-wise. That's the most I'm willing to spend because at the end of the day, they might not be on the roster in 2019. Yeah, very true. Brandon, do you, do you like a Shane Ray, Shaq Lawson? Uh, would you make the trade if you could? I think the Shane Ray option is very interesting. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Uh, because the Bears are going to get a, a serious first-hand look at him in training camp when they have joint practice with the Broncos. So if he struggles and gets cut, we don't have to trade for him at all if the Bears don't want to, obviously, because he, he might get cut. I mean, if he's still on this cast, and that's just kind of a, a projection speculation, it may not even happen. Uh, so then they, they could just pick him up if he gets cut. Uh, so it, I think that's very interesting, especially because they can look at him very firsthand. Uh, and like Will said, I, I wouldn't give up a whole lot as far as a trade because – like Shane Ray and Shaq Lawson, they're solid players, but they don't 
they don't do much to improve the pass rushing as a whole. This like the way the the pass rush is set up now, it's going to have to be a very even balanced effort from everybody to be able to get to the quarterback because there's not aside from Leonard Floyd. I mean, he's the only guy who's going to be able to consistently get to the quarterback, him and Keem Hicks. So it's got to be a balanced and uh, effort from everybody. Everyone has to put forth their best effort each and every passing down to get there. And there's, I mean, neither of these guys are really going to be someone that you game plan for on offense when you're looking at the Bears defense. So it's it's interesting uh, because the Bears are going to get that first-hand look at Shane Ray this offseason. Uh, and if he's there, I, I see no reason why you, you don't pick him up if he gets cut. Gotcha. So I was actually thinking more if the Bears were to make a trade for either one of these players. I'm going to go Sheck Lawson only because, uh, again, both of these players are both uh, first round uh, talents. Uh, Sheck Lawson being the 19th overall in 2016. Um, he has had some injuries just like Shane Ray has, but he's got two years left on that two years left on that rookie contract. So if you were to trade for him, essentially you're going to be paying what you know obviously he's making as a rookie so you're not paying that top tier talent for that out, outside linebacker position or defensive end what he kind of plays um but and right now he hasn't really had as much success in the NFL and you know there's been speculation from scouts saying that he might actually be better at that outside linebacker position but he plays the defensive end in Buffalo that's if I had to choose between these two guys I'm not saying that I would make the trade because well you made a great point because how much how much better do the Bears get do they make them okay they can compete right now or to where they still need to get some pieces obviously establish themselves as a good team to actually compete so I don't think even with either one of these additions that really does much for them but uh I just want to mention before we get on to our next question we just had someone in the chat say that, Will, you look like Tanner Dentry. What do you have to say about that? I mean, I just saw that in there, and then I'm now I'm trying to picture what Tanner Gentry looks like. If I could run like Tanner like Gentry as a linebacker at Augustana, I think I'd be getting a lot more playing time, so I guess I can't be too <laughs> upset. If I had as good a hands at Tanner Gentry, I probably wouldn't be on defense either, but you know, you know, I'll take that as much of a compliment as I can. Yeah, in the chat, we see some – funny weird things uh brandon we we've seen like an adam sandler i've gotten uh a kyle shanahan uh so we've gotten we've got some uh weird things people comment on uh will's beard when they're in the chat so thank you guys for doing what you do and commenting in that chat it always keeps it fun uh so we're gonna go to our last question of the day and it's our ninth question, and it comes from Bear Intrigue. Which undrafted free agent has the best chance to make an impact as a rookie? And I guess I'll start this one. Um, undrafted free agents, those are you know guys that I wouldn't expect to make really significant impacts or in really big impacts uh, on a team just because, well, they're, they're kind of at the low totem pole there. But a guy that the Bears have brought in um, who's going to be participating in rookie mini camps this weekend uh kevin tolliver from lsu the six foot three 204 pound cornerback a guy that uh obviously played in the sec has you know played against some really good competition uh in 2017 see 2017 season uh he had 14 solo tackles 13 assists not really big numbers but you know he was able to stay consistently with uh his the receivers um but it's a guy he maybe didn't get drafted because of his attitude. There, there was a lot of scouts, a lot of people around the league said, you know, he has a talent to maybe become a starter uh, in this league one day. But man, that attitude, just something about him, like the arrogance that he has. And when I, when you think about it, is that a guy that maybe Ryan Pace wants to really bring onto this roster because of the culture that they've now established, which seems like a really core group of guys, but he can play football. 
So um, it would be interesting to see. That's a guy. And again, I don't really think any of these guys can make an impact as a rookie, but you're looking at special teams. Who's going to contribute on special teams, make that tackle, be the gunner. You have to, you know, fight for the fight to two, uh, two guys to get to the, the punt return or something like that. So not a guy that I'm expecting a big impact from, but maybe somebody that can compete. And at the cornerback position, you know, outside of Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mukamura, you know, there's not as much depth as you would like at cornerback. And that's why I was surprised they didn't draft one this year or a defensive back. Um, but yeah, that's who I have. Brandon, who do you got as an undrafted free agent? I know you were, uh, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit in our chat that, uh, when Will had Roquan Smith as the, the first pick and yelling, he was so happy and you were kind of frustrated or whatever. And we seen that, uh, oh, the Bears son, Michael Joseph, uh, is an undrafted free agent. That's the guy that I picked in the seventh round of my mock draft on mm-hmm. the show. Does that count for anything? You know what? He's on a team. I'll say it counts. Okay, because I have him making the biggest impact as a rookie. As a, as a cornerback, uh, Bryce Callahan, also an undrafted uh, free agent uh, rookie when he came to Chicago. Uh, came from not as small school as Duquesne. Uh, he came from Rice University, but still an undrafted free agent. Came in and was able to make the big impact that he had. Uh, and he's still one of the guys that we coveted. We all wanted him back to be re-signed. Uh, if, if he can't stay healthy, I mean, maybe Michael Joseph's a guy that can outplay LeBlanc for that slot and make a big impact because he had 15 interceptions uh, at Duquesne. Like Ryan Pace says, he wants those guys who are going to dominate at that level of football. And Michael Joseph was always the guy who was just always seemed to be a step ahead of the quarterback. He was jumping routes all the time. He had 15 interceptions in his three seasons there. So I'm, I'm going to take Michael Joseph as my guy. If Bryce Callahan can't stay healthy in the slot. What about you, Will? Um, I'm going to go with uh, running back Ryan Naw out of Oregon State. Um, you know, it, it, like you said, Nick, uh, this isn't the 2015-2016 Bears. You know, the undrafted free agent story isn't one that's likely to be as big of one going into training camp as it has been in the past. This roster is completely different. You know, Pace, to his credit, tore this thing down from the stu- to the studs in 2015, has built up a very strong roster. I think I wanted to say something when uh, we were talking about whether to keep five or six receivers on the roster. It's like, thank God I don't have to make this decision. Whereas, you know, two years ago we're talking, thank God I don't have to make this decision because I cut half the dang team. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it, it shows the talent overall. So, in regards to making a contribution, you know, I made a I made a bit of a stink a few weeks ago when I was on the podcast about uh, the Bears not having a true number two running back. And Null, I think, is kind of a little bit of a carbon copy of uh, Jordan Howard and his running style specifically. I think he's much better in the pass game. Uh, what what I think makes Null the, the potential to contribute so much is that he can line up at H-back and that he is versatile in where you can line him up. Even if they wanted to run a fullback type uh, play every once in a while, which Nagy has proven to do. I believe Sherman was his guy in KC where, wherever they had kind of that H-back, fullback type uh, personnel. He can flare out. He can run passing routes. He's, he is a more reliable receiver than Jordan Howard, but he is capable of having that, you know, go-ahead running style. I don't think he has the vision and, and the ability to cut that Jordan Howard does. He's not going to break off, you know, 20-yard gains regularly like Jordan Howard does. But he is someone I feel confident if Jordan Howard goes down for four games – now it makes me a lot more confident handing the ball to him, you know, 10 to 15 times, maybe even 20 a game, opposed to the combination of Tariq Cohen and Benny Cunningham. And and that has a lot to do with his downhill running style. I think that just fits the zone scheme a lot more than Cunningham or Tariq Cohen can do. So yeah. that's my that's my guy. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you made a good point. In 2015, these undrafted free agents were able to make a contribution on the team like a Bryce Callahan. And obviously Cameron Maris was a part of that class, had his breakout season in 2016. Well, there wasn't a lot of talent on those teams. So that's why they were able to go in, compete, contribute, do some good things. And they've become good players. So kudos to them for doing that. But now you're seeing these undrafted free agents. Now they're coming to a Bears roster that does have a little bit more talent, a lot, a lot more talent than it did in 2015. So it's going to be harder for these guys to really compete at, you know, prime positions and, you know, make like the question asked a significant contribution to the team. So, Hey, that's not a bad thing though. You want to have good players. And if, you know, people are competing, they just can't make it because it's, it's too talented. That's exactly what you want. But guys, that that's all of our questions for today. I mean, that was that was fun. We had a lot of good questions, a lot of good discussion. We we got in depth about offensive linemen and the group there. That's yeah. always great. So yeah, um, it's it's gonna be exciting. But uh, you know, that will do it for this episode of the Bears Bros podcast. Thank you to everyone who watched live and were interacting in the YouTube chat. I don't know who said someone looks like Luigi. I'm probably assuming that's me because I have a mustache, <laughs> but you guys are great. We wouldn't be here without all of you. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back soon. Uh, and in the meantime, make sure to keep up with all the coverage of the Bears. Also, like I said earlier, rookie mini camp does start this weekend. So make sure to keep your eye out on that. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.